you have to go into the details of each building separately. There's no like golden formula. And, and you have to really figure out what's the status of those tenants. Do you have the ability to talk to them? Are they interested in being bought out? If they are being interested in bought out, for what amount? Best ever listeners, I want to mention Lima One Capital. And I found out about them through a guest that I was interviewing on the show. And he mentioned how he was scaling his business. He was actually buying 10 single family homes within one year. And I asked him, how were you able to buy 10 single family homes and how were you financing that? And he's like, oh, well, I just use an asset-based lender. I was like, who is that? And he told me it's Lima One Capital. I reached out to them afterwards, got to know them, and they are the sponsor of today's episode because they've got some unique lending programs. Uh, One of them is called Rental 30, where, as I mentioned, they're an asset-based lender. So they're lending based on the property's appraised value as well as they look at the down payment that you're bringing to the table and the cash reserves. Uh, They'll lend up to 75% loan to value. And this is huge. This is huge because typically as a single family investor, uh, your lending strength is based on your personal income as well as how many properties you have, how many loans you have out. There's no restrictions on portfolio size with their Rental 30 program. Go to lima1capital.com forward slash best ever. Sign up, learn more about their program. That's lima1capital.com forward slash best ever. They also have a program for fix and flippers. Even if you haven't done a fix and flip, they'll still lend to you. They've been in the business uh, since 2010. So they've been around the block. They know their underwriting guidelines. They're not loosey-goosey, but they do have a very specific uh, criteria um, that helps beginning fix and flippers get their fix and flip projects done, as well as experienced fix and flippers. They reward you as an experienced fix and flipper, and you actually get a lower interest rate and lower origination fee. Again, go to lima1capital.com forward slash best ever. And some legal stuff I have to say, it is Lima One Capital LLC. And the NMLS ID number is 1324403. And their address is 201 East McBee Avenue, Suite 300, Greenville, South Carolina, 29601. Again, lima1capital.com forward slash best ever. If you're looking for a fix and flip loan or if you're looking for a buy and hold investment property and you're trying to finance it and you want it to be asset based, lima1capital.com forward slash best ever. Best ever listeners. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and this is a show where we cut out the fluffy stuff. We don't get into it. We only talk about the real estate advice that moves your business forward. And well, let me just pause and say, I hope you're having a best ever weekend. And because today is Sunday, we're talking about a specific skill that will help you in your real estate endeavors. And we're going to get very, very specific because we're talking today about townhome investing in New York City. So if you're ever curious about investing in townhomes in New York City, and I suspect some of these learnings will be applicable for other markets, but we're talking today with a New York City townhome specialist. How you doing, Patrick Lilly? I'm good, Joe. Good to be here. Nice to have you on the show, my friend, and a little bit about Patrick, and then he'll get into it in more detail. He has successfully sold 
more than 1,000 homes in excess of a billion dollars in Manhattan and Brooklyn. His team is consistently ranked in the Wall Street Journal's top 250. He's based, obviously, in New York City, New York, specifically in Manhattan. And you can say hi to him at the townhousespecialist.com. With that being said, Patrick, really quickly, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background, and then we can jump into the townhouse sales. Well, I've been selling real estate in Manhattan since 1984, and I bet you half of your listeners weren't even born then. It's not something that I ever thought I would go into, but it's turned out to be a really successful fit, and uh, I I enjoy the freedom that selling real estate allows me. All right. So today we're going to talk about townhouse sales and in particular, what should an an investor look at when investing in townhouse sales in New York City, as well as what do they need to know? So Patrick, take it away. So let me just give you a brief background. So a townhome or a townhouse, however you want to look at it, was it's a it's an old english term is back in the days is you owned a home in the town being london and you owned a home in the country which was your estate and so a townhouse referred to the gentry's residence in a major city usually london or paris from there um you know the new world they new york copied the same terms that they use and the vast majority of homes were townhouses in Manhattan dating back to the, the mid-1700s when the Dutch owned New Amsterdam instead of New York. Multiple families living in the same house didn't really come along until much, much, much later. So originally all there were were townhouses and some commercial buildings and maybe some you know stores on the first floor and some uh residences above but you know people with money had the had a single family house which would of at the beginning maybe been freestanding but today all townhouses are directly have common walls with their two neighbors. So the nice thing about owning a townhouse, as opposed to owning a co-op or condo, which the vast majority of listings in New York are co-ops and condos. So, for example, in Manhattan, over 99% of all listings are either co-ops or condos. I'd say about 70% are co-ops, 29% are about condos, and less than 1% are townhouses. So these days, it's a very limited product. And because it's a limited product, there's a couple of great benefits. When you limit supply, demand goes up. And the number of condos, while it's increasing every year in New York, the number of townhouses slightly decreasing, which again makes for a long-term investment in terms of value going to be going up because uh, supply is shrinking. Make sense? Yeah. How are they decreasing? Well, because um, there's no open land to build new lots or very, very few. And if you do have a plot, you're not going to stick a single family on it for the most part. You're going to stick a condo or or a co-op on it because you'll probably be able to build more than you would on a townhouse. So consequently, some townhouses are being torn down to build a bigger co-op or condo when you tear two or three properties down. And there's just no space to build new. So that's why it's limited. And if something is built new, it's almost always a condo these days. Got it. So dwindling inventory, increasing prices, and a unique product. So the person who's going to buy a townhouse is interested in not having to deal with a board. 
you know, condos in New York City have a board and co-ops have very restrictive boards who are going to say you can or cannot lease out your unit to a tenant, at least without their approval. So a co-op in general is not a good investment in New York City if you're looking at it as investment property. On the other hand, a condo is a good investment for uh, leasing properties out because, uh, for the most part, with a few exceptions, there's no board approval on who will take your property. There may be a board package that you have to submit that'll cost you 500 bucks, but for the most part, it's just right of first refusal. It's not an actual approval process like it is in a co-op. So the nice thing about buying a townhouse is you're not dealing with any outside people. You're dealing with all yourself. You have complete control about who's in the building and who's not. So then we can talk about how do we value townhouses? So 15 years ago, the most valuable townhouse was a townhouse that had multiple units in it where an owner might live in one or two floors, a duplex, let's say, within the building, and then he had one, two, or three multiple units that he or she would rent out. That used to be the most valuable of townhouses. Today, that's changed. A single-family townhouse is now gets the highest value. So uh, a single-family house, by far, is quite often getting, in certain neighborhoods, you know, $3,000 a square foot, no problem. The next use down would be a townhouse with less than six units where there's an owner's duplex, triplex, or quadruplex, and then additional rental income from the other units. And the reason the cutoff is at six is because it's six units and above, the building would qualify for rent stabilization. And when there's rent stabilization or any controls on rents, that will lessen the value of the building. Mm, and, interesting. Okay. And then the least value of the building in terms of monetary value is if there's no real appropriate apartment for an owner to live in or to work in and where it's just strict investment where there's four, five, six rental units, but it's not appropriate for the person who would actually want to live there. That would be the lesser value of the three examples. And then the least value would be if there were more than six units and the owner couldn't live there and they had a lot of controls on the building in terms of rent, that would be the least valuable. I don't understand the third example. If there's a room, how couldn't the owner live there? Well, they could, but you have to understand, our property in Manhattan, an average townhouse starts well above $3 million. You can imagine there are some townhouses that there's not a... A you know Somebody who can afford to live in a, a $5 million building is not going to want an apartment that is worthy of that. So in other words, the apartments that are in are not grand enough to be for somebody who is willing to pay $5 million for the building. Got it. So that's how we value the townhomes and the four different types. As an investor who is interested in investing in townhomes, how should we approach it? If we were to reach out to you, we got the cash, then what should our strategy be? I mean, clearly the single family townhouse is the most value, but, how, but then you got it, the six units that you want to use as rental income. It's the best value for a seller. It may not be the best value for a buyer or an investor. The best situation would be if I was able to find a building at the lower end that say had controls on it and had multiple units and then take that building, buy the tenants out, get them out for whatever reason that's legal, then convert the, f the building into a single family. So you've, you've bought an asset that had X amount of value 
And by renovating it, getting the tenants out and turning it into a single family, you've dramatically increased the value. So that would be the ideal situation if you could make that happen. Interesting. Okay. Have you done that before? Oh, absolutely. And sometimes it's a pain in the neck and sometimes it's a breeze. You have to go into the details of each building separately. There's no like golden formula. And, and you have to really figure out what's the status of those tenants. Do you have the ability to talk to them? Are they interested in being bought out? If they are being interested in bought out, for what amount? And then you have to figure that over into your overall pricing. Can you add an elevator built to a building? So if you add a, a, an elevator to, a, and most townhouses are walk-up, the elevator and its construction, is this is going to sound expensive, but it's going to cost about $500,000. And it's not the elevator chassis or the motor that costs so much. It's the casing that goes around it within the building that costs that much. But when you add a $500,000 elevator, you're probably going to increase the value of the building by about $2 million. So is that a possibility that you can do in the building? Another thing that an investor would want to look at is what is the FAR compared to what the existing square footage is? So every zoning will have a different FAR, which is floor to area ratio. And let's say you had a 1,000 square foot lot that had an FAR of three. That means you could construct a building up to 3,000 square feet on that lot, three times 1,000. It couldn't be the whole lot because you have to have setbacks, but you could have a total of 3,000 square feet. If the building that's existing there is only 2,000 square feet, then that means you could build an additional 1,000 square feet either on top or in the rear of the building. Again, it's another way of adding value to your asset when you buy it. And, and having somebody who knows what they're doing here in terms of a broker makes a really big difference because you can just guess from hearing all this. It's so complicated here. And there's over 9,000 brokers in uh, Manhattan that sell residential real estate. And there's really only 50 of us that do more than two townhouse deals a year. Can you tell us an example where the best situation that you mentioned earlier, where you have multiple units, then you buy the tenants out legally, and then you convert the building into two family. Do you, can you tell us a story with numbers oh, on, oh, yeah. Yeah, on so a previous great. one? I sold a building that we sold. We sold the building. It was in Greenwich Village. It had multiple rent-stabilized and one rent-controlled tenant on the market. We sold it for about $3.5 million. It needed work. They got the tenant out, tenants out. They renovated the building. It, it, was a, it had an owner's duplex and then three other tenants. They got the three tenants out, renovated the building. They did not put an elevator in. It's still a walk-up, and it's on the market now for $18.5 million. <laughs> That's silly money. Do you know roughly how much they put into it to get to that price point? Of I'm going to make guesstimates. The yeah. renovation budget and looking at the quality of the renovation, they probably put about a million five in in the renovation. And buying the tenants out, I'm going to assume about $500,000 per tenant. So another million five. So they probably are all in at seven and a half, eight million bucks. And uh, they'll probably sell it for 15. So not a bad profit. Not a bad profit at all. What, over what period of time do you think that, oh, I guess you know, what period of time is it since you sold it to them to when they now have it on the market? That's been about a five-year process. Okay. And I'm guessing it because I was a listing agent. 
they had their own broker who did the deal. So I don't know who did the deal on the buy side. I don't know exactly. Those are my best guesstimates. And mm-hmm. I would imagine the delays had to do with negotiating on getting the tenants out. And, you know, it's not always a direct line in terms of how you want it to go. And then the renovation was probably at least a year. Wow. The $500,000 per tenant, I know you're guesstimating, but that's staggering to me to pay someone <laughs> who lives, who rents from yeah. you to, well, to legally well, get them out. Well, think about it. Think about it. I get the business re- I get the business reasons. I, no, but, I, 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 but, no, but no, but think about it. They're in an apartment. Let's say they're in a, a third floor, one bedroom apartment in the West Village would probably go for, if it was like a co-op or a condo, would probably go for about a million bucks. So getting them out at 500000 you've just freed up $500,000 in equity there. But the other thing is, is where are they going to go for their $500,000? They won't be able to get a one-bedroom apartment in Greenwich Village for 500000 that's for sure. They're going to have to go to a, a less expensive neighborhood to get a, a one-bedroom apartment. And they're not going to be in prime Manhattan. They're going to have to go to, you know, and more of an outlying part of Manhattan. Well, so for fi- that, for five thousand dollars in rent a month, they could do <laughs> for five thousand dollars a rent a month. You're right. They you're absolutely could they could get a fabulous one bedroom apartment in Manhattan. Absolutely, but most of them are looking at turning that cash into some sort of an investment where they get to buy a home themselves. And I know we're kind of going off a tangent here, but I just got to ask another follow-up question. Do you find that uh, people who get those buyouts seek out opportunities to go rent in places like that and it works out for them? Or is it just by happenstance? A happenstance. Boy, if any of us were smart enough, I would have done that a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And in fact, if, if I know now... Then what I know now, boy, I would have made different uh, choices uh, in which buildings I moved into. That's for sure. What buildings would you have moved into? Buildings that had rent stabilization in it that would also have the ability to be converted either to a co-op or condo down the road or even a single family house. So a rent stabilized townhouse would have been an ideal situation. Wow. Yeah, that's that's really interesting stuff. Um, just with those numbers, it's just it's just like monopoly numbers. Well, monopoly doesn't have that big of bills. Well, but... it's it's not really monopoly money, Joe. When you come to New York and you want to buy a townhouse with me, well, I lived uh, there for ten years. I know, I know, but yeah. you're gonna have to put up real money. You're gonna have to put up your real bucks in order to buy that, not <laughs> not monopoly money. And by the way, um, you can get financing on t- townhouses. You can get up to about seventy five percent financing on townhouses if you're going to live in the building. As if you're going to invest, you can probably only get up to 50%. Patrick, is there anything else as it relates to investors looking at townhouses as investment opportunities in Manhattan that you want to mention? Yeah, I think in general, for the most part, you're not looking at rate of return on your dollars invested. Right. You're, you're looking at either one doing some sort of improvement, like we talked about earlier, that increases the value of the asset or you're you're doing it for appreciation. If you can get 5% rate of return on a building in New York, you're doing amazing. Usually it's like 1% and 2% at best. You mentioned from a value-add standpoint, the conversion where you got multiple units converted to a, a single family. You mentioned the elevator, the FAR. What's FAR stand for again? I got the concept, but what's it stand for? Florida area ratio. 
Florida area ratio. Are there any other main value add tactics that you've seen be implemented successfully? Yeah, you know, people, they want more open floor plans. They want uh, blingy kitchens and baths. The things that you see on HGTV is basically (laughs) what you need to do these days. Patrick, this has been just uh, a different type of conversation. I'm, I'm really, sure, I'm, I'm, re- sure it has. I'm really glad that we had it because I, I interview investors who are investing all over the country, and by far, New York City is the uh, just the the a di- on a different level of numbers and opportunity and rules and guidelines and things that we've got to know in order to successfully invest there. Absolutely agree. You'll want to have someone like Patrick on your team if you're going to do this. So if you're interested in this, best ever listeners, then reach out to him. And on that note, Patrick, what's the best place the best ever listeners can reach you? If you're interested in townhouses, my site is thetownhousespecialist.com. And otherwise, go to, if you're just interested in property in New York in general, patricklillyteam.com. Awesome. Well, Patrick, learning how to value townhouses, the four different types and the categories that you went through, the value add components, like you said, elevator might cost you 500K, but it'll probably increase the building by 2 million bucks. The FAR, look at, ask what is the FAR compared to the existing square footage? See if there's opportunity to add on to it. Open floor plans, blingy kitchens and baths, just watch HGTV apparently (laughs) and, and see what Uh, buyers would want. And then from a high level, most importantly, the best situation, as you mentioned, is to have multiple units, then buy the tenants out legally, and then convert the building into a single family. Thank you so much, Patrick, for sharing the business models as well as the strategies with the best ever listeners. And hope you have a best ever weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Joe. If you're looking for a real estate brokerage that provides full service commercial and residential property management, as well as traditional brokerage services, then contact James Wise and his company, the Holton Wise Property Group. Their website is holtonwise.com. That's H-O-L-T-O-N-W-I-S-E.com. They're based out of Cleveland and they help local and out-of-state investors build and manage completely passive rental property portfolios.